Welcome to Sir Reginald's Monocle, the Umbrella Academy after show. My name's Toby Shaver. I'm here again with my brother Dave. What's up, Shavy D? Great to be here, Toby. Hey, man. So we just finished episode six, A Light Supper. And uh, it gave us the big moment towards the end that we were hoping it would. But uh, let's start at the top here. First, let's get your reaction overall, Dave. Great. Just, uh, it was like the, you know, typical, perfect kind of shake everything back up before they try to arrange to, you know, push towards the end type of thing. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I think the last episode kind of, kind of wrapped up like bringing everybody together. So now it's like, here's, we're heading into the back half of the season. Yeah, it was, I think I, I, I liked it. It was, uh, and kind of spun everybody out a little bit and kind of it's going to make it maybe a little more challenging to come together. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, thought it was, sure. I thought it was done well. So um, as has most of the episodes, I believe so far, all of them um, starts out with a little flashback. So we get to see Allison when she first lands. We had already gotten a little taste of it where she lands and immediately heads for the diner and, and gets rejected and i think they they wanted to reset that a little bit especially in light of what happens later in the episode um but um we see kind of her first you know when she gets introduced to the ladies at the salon and starts working there and and uh i mean obviously a a black woman who can't speak being dropped into you know 1963 dallas is a horrifying experience for her, but we kind of see how she survives that and the help she gets early on. And then eventually we see how she meets Ray. Yeah, I really liked it. I liked the, the, you know, because I think that that would be, you know, one of the biggest differences to have to confront. I mean, obviously, you know, racism is racism, however you cut it, but just the idea of, just that open expectation that, you know, if some jackass white boy yells at you to, you know, hey, girl, this or that, that you're supposed to fucking stop and listen to his ass. I mean, you know, that's antithetical to the strong, independent woman she is. So, I mean, I I like the fact that, you know, you kind of saw that split second of kind of threw her off and then she basically, you know, punched his ass. And then obviously yeah. knew, you know, she better get on the horse and get on out of there. But the, uh, but no, I like it. I, I thought that was played very well where, you know, she was d- definitely a stranger in a strange land and you got that feeling. But, you know, at her core, she's a woman that's used to taking care of business. So, I mean, her first inclination is to, you know, even in that weird, you know, discombobulated state, you know, she, her natural reaction is to defend herself and then. Yeah, that's yeah. uh it's gonna be a real uphill battle in that circumstance. So, you know, the fact that she runs and finds a safe haven at the beauty parlor. Um, you know, and you know my feelings towards, you know, the strength of a you know, a strong especially a strong older black woman of the community. I mean they're 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 the pillar of not only their community but as I've stated many times, I think America and, uh, you know, just the immediate stepping up to defend her and, you know, 
Yeah, I thought yeah. that was great. And then the, I like how it built on the the strength of Allison's character too, because now you know she's dropped in. You know, sure, there's worse times in history she could have been dropped, but you know the early 1960s certainly isn't a great one for her and. To drop her in there and see her fending for herself. The one, you know, like, superpower she has is gone because she can't even speak. And then, you know, the natural, uh, you know, obstacles that are going to come with that. But they kind of show that that she was able to take care of herself even, you know, with kind of things stacked against her. So I thought it was great. Again, they do such a good job at at summing things up in just a very small amount of little prologue at the beginning of these sometimes. Yeah. And, and it's the, and it really gives the effect of not only are you instantly informed, but you're, you really get the, the, the momentum thing is there, you know, where you really get the, the feeling of hitting the ground running. So, uh, so and that's we can see Ray being kind of smooth, you know, we kind of see how he was able to, you know, win her heart quickly. You know, you see him being kind of, you know, very uh, charming. Definitely, definitely, and yeah, I I would be interested to to see what some of those notes were that she wrote down that he asked her about. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, because again, you know, I think that there's, you know, well, they get into it a little bit later. You know, when when then it flashes forward to them sitting and, you know, he just basically makes her say it for the multiple, multiple times that, uh, you know, that there had been a black president, um, yeah, you know, in yeah. her lifetime. And, you know, he was just so happy to hear that. So, you know, blown away by it. But the, uh, um, you know, I just think it's so interesting in the sense of from the perspective of someone that's from our time going back and, how impressive it would be to see, you know, especially a leader of like a nonviolent movement where, you know, you, that just takes such a certain level of strength that I don't think most people even grasp. Um, you know, so the idea that, uh, you know, she would be coming from the perspective of, you know, obviously knowing that, you know, not enough has changed, but at the same time, knowing that a lot has changed. And so therefore, you know, you know, it's, it's very obviously, or, you know, maybe not obviously, but it's very, there's a, a great temptation when someone is hurt is to hurt back. And, you know, the idea of knowing that, you know, one day those efforts and those struggles, you know, will pay off. Um, it's just, like I said, a, a very interesting perspective from her coming from, but then also, obviously, then when they're sitting there in the living room or the kitchen uh, talking about things, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, yeah. It'd be... It, you know, it's really interesting from Ray's perspective as well. So, and we'll get so that was we'll yeah, to it the, was cool. We'll get to their trip out on the town uh, in a little bit when we get there. But um, then we see uh, the handler and five come together, and you know, basically the handler's 
making five an offer and says, hey, you know, you can, I, I'm ready to take over. So I, I need the board of directors of the commission taken out. And if you do that for me, I will save your family. I'll send you back to um, 2019 and there won't be an apocalypse. So, exactly. If you'll, if you'll be my trigger man in, in this coup, um, such and such will be your reward, your, uh, the safety of your family and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. I, uh, they play really well off each other five and the handler. So they do, they do, you know, all those scenes are great. And the gamesmanship is very nice to see, you know, they they are definitely constantly, you know, trying to get one over on each other and, and yeah. I think in, se- in season one, we didn't necessarily get to actively see the handler pulling all the strings, you know, behind the scenes, which, you know, she basically did in a, in a lot of the cases. But in this season with her kind of, you know, going rogue, we're seeing exactly how she's, you know, playing the Swedes against Diego and playing her daughter against everybody and, you know, just kind of the inner workings of it and it's pretty now she's trying to obviously get five you know you utilize him and his uh specific set of skills right she always played a little fast and loose in the sense of you know wanting to dominate but now she's really playing fast and loose in the sense of you know again if she can't be in control she's going to wipe it out and either reform it in her own image or just operate in the shadows and you know, outside of the structure. So, yeah, she's, yeah. Uh, I mean, at a minimum, she's obviously very, you know, power-hungry and manipula- manipulative, but there's, I just feel like there's a deeper motivation there, and I can't quite put my finger on it yet, but, uh, but I'm very anxious for that reveal, so... Um, so then we we have um, Luther and Vanya and Diego basically kind of discussing the invitation. You know, at the at the end of of the last episode, they all got invited to a light supper with Sir Reginald. Um, and Luther's not really having it. He doesn't even really want to go. He's still, I think, feeling uh, rebuffed from his last encounter with with Sir Reginald. So. He's not really interested in, you know, Vanya and Diego. I love the moment when, when they're like, look, this is the guy, you know, there's like, this is the guy that kept you locked up and, and, and medicated you to suppress your powers and, you know, told you that you weren't special, made you believe it and you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, her reaction is basically, yeah, I got to meet this guy. Yeah. He sounds <laughs> so like a dick, man. I really yeah. like this guy. Yeah, it had the opposite effect. So um. yeah, and I like that. I don't remember the exact comment, but there was something to the effect of, you know, Diego was like, you know, you just don't want to go because you don't want him to put you in your place and make you look small or whatever. But he's like, uh, he's like, we're gonna be team zero. We're not gonna be one, yeah. two, and three. <laughs> we're not gonna let him play us against each other this time. We're gonna be yeah. team zero. So. Yeah, I think Diego was really on board with the team zero thing. I don't think anybody was ever really jumping in as wholeheartedly as he no, was. No, I mean, <laughs> obviously when he went to, for the fist bump and they both left him hanging simultaneously, yeah. I think he was pretty 
pretty much yeah. on an island at that point. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, again like we just talked about last episode. Uh, I mean, the depth this guy's pulling out, you know, is uh, very impressive. It's very. You know, it's just like, it's so hard. It's not really that hard to cry on screen. But it's it's hard to do a believable trying not to cry. Yeah. That can look real fake real fast. So, yeah. a couple scenes in this one where Diego is trying not to, but then breaks down is, it, I loved it. It was really, yeah. really good. So. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's it, it's awesome. And then uh, then we have Klaus. Ben's basically, you know, Klaus had already headed back to the the cult, you know, ostensibly to come come clean and let him know that, you know, maybe there's an actual apocalypse coming. Um, and Ben's kind of working on him, saying, "Look, you've you know, you've been lying to these people. You got to tell them what's up. I mean, they have families. They could go go home and see their families or whatever." Um, and Klaus, you know, again, confirms that Ben's in love with the, the one gal. Oh yeah. The, he picks up on that, that one. Scene. Yeah. 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 Ben kind of tips his hand a little bit on that. And, and Klaus realizes that, you know, he's got, got a little crush on the, you know, flesh he's and got blood. Some go- he's got know. some ghost feelings. Yeah. In, in the human world. So I don't know how that one's going to work out, but, uh, love is love. And Klaus tries to do the right thing. He, 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 kind of submits and is like look everybody i'm a fraud i'm a a fraud i'm a fraud and you know these obviously you know it takes a certain mindset to end up in a cult so you know that mindset you know you're exactly catch on right away exactly so i'm a i'm a fraud ends up being the new mantra basically (laughs) oh it's great so, but I loved it too because then Klaus is like, "Hey, I tried." Oh, it's fa- fa- fantastic for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody's trying to just you know kind of you know settle their affairs here, come clean with everybody. Allison, um, you know, basically sits right down and says, "Look, I'm going to tell you everything," and she does. She tells them the whole thing and. And uh, he's a little skeptical at first uh, about her powers. And, you know, so they set, set out on the town and have their little uh, pretty woman moment where he gets to have the little fashion show. And, and, uh, and basically, um, you know, shop at all these places that there's no way they would be allowed to shop in 1963. Um, and I thought it was really cool. I thought... Um, you know, he was, he, she doesn't really want to use these powers, you know, but he's not really going to believe what she's saying until she shows him. And I think it, it was, I enjoyed how she chose, you know, if she's got to use them, 100%. Anyway, yep. you might as well use them in a non-harmful way, but that kind of gives somebody their comeuppance that, that probably had, you know, deserves it anyway. And like, you know, what's more harmless than than um you know just having a shopkeeper let you shop let you try stuff on and and i think they actually bought stuff you know (laughs) like it's it's the least harmful thing they could do but you know that that dude has it coming 
Correct. And I think that it works on one level automatically. And then the second level, I guess, is just my own hope. But obviously, when she rumors the shopkeeper and the assistants, it's just nice to see Ray be able to be waited on and, you know, treated with, you know, not just standard dignity and respect, but really be, you know, almost put on a pedestal and and pamper oh, yeah. and, and, and so on and so forth. So that, you know, that was fun just from a, you know, and the, the show's done a good job of, you know, I tend to be a little more of a, um, you know, like a slightly more grounded approach. So the, you know, there's, there's a little more whimsy to this show than I'm used to um, mm-hmm. as far as like little montages like that. But I think they do it well. So I'm not, you know, that's not a complaint. It's just a acknowledgement of my normal, you know, my normal wheelhouse. But again, with this show, I think they've really done that pretty well. So, you know, I like that. And then what, what my secondary thought was, I guess in the back of my mind, I was kind of hoping that because I don't know exactly how her powers work in the sense of, you know, how much are, do you know what you're doing when you're in that state of control? Hmm. Uh, so I guess what, why I reference that is just to have Ray treated that way is great to see, but I'd like to think that those, especially the guy that initially was just very ready to kick them out, um, I hope he knew he was waiting on Ray. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I hope they don't just become a blank slate and just act out those motions. And again, it would be a wonderful day experience for the two of them. But I hope just from the, I guess, morality of it, I hope there's a little bit of a, you know. Well, I think think that answer, I think that question is somewhat answered because, you know, obviously, I mean, and and I think Allison deserved to, to have that moment as well. You know, because she's shown so much restraint since she's been there to not use those powers, especially in in some situations where she for sure would have been justified. Um, but then obviously we see the problem. We see how it can start to get out of hand with the, you know, guy in the diner with the, the coffee. You know, not to say that dude didn't fucking deserve it. He deserved that and, and worse. But um you know, that's not the right, that doesn't make that the right thing to do. And that's where Ray got a little freaked out. And then he asked her towards the end, he asked her, you know, have you ever done it to me? And she said, no. And he said, would I, would know? I know if you yeah, did? I about that. Yep. And, you know, that's I a great mean, point. she did, she didn't say it in so many words, but basically the implication was that he wouldn't know. Yep. So, you know, I, I think that answers a little bit about how that Yeah, works. because, well, and, and I kind of was tending towards that way anyway, because when the guy kind of came out of it with the coffee pouring, you know, he was giving her more of the look like, what the hell just happened, than he really was like, you know, you bitch, yeah. you made me pour coffee on my hand or whatever, so. Well, otherwise um, she would never have been able to advance her career with with rumoring people the way she did if they just if people always realized afterwards that they were controlled, you know what I mean? If it was that obvious, 
I mean, again, I, you know, I right. don't know if that's true. It could have been really subtle things, of course, but correct. And you could only yeah. use use it say once with one person, and then having somebody word it that way wouldn't be strange. Now, if she's doing it ten times to one guy, and he doesn't realize every time she says, you know. I heard a rumor all of a sudden I don't remember anything for like 10 minutes and you know, I'm a hundred bucks less in my pocket then you know, (laughs) you know, yeah. Yeah, After you're married to someone for a few years, they would just be like a cassette. They just tune it out. It's been recorded. Yeah. That maybe like a cassette tape that's been recorded over and over and erased. (laughs) I just kind of, yeah. So, But yeah, that was interesting. I mean, she hasn't used it on Ray, but, you know, obviously that's the thing. Again, like, you know, what a shitty position he's in because he doesn't. I mean, yes, she's coming clean now about all this stuff, but I could see why it'd be hard for him to believe that she never used it on him, you know? Well, and that's just it. It's not even as, you know, that's what, what I like about the gray area of that in the sense of, you wouldn't have to believe in any way, shape, or form that she had ever used it on you. But now, because you can never know, you yeah. can never fully trust. And without full trust, how can you really share your life with somebody? So that's a yeah. that's a great you know way to start putting the a little weakening there. Um, yeah, you know, so for sure, for sure. So yeah, that was so. Uh, uh, next that. thing we see is the handler and. Handler and and her baby girl at bingo, you know, basically calling her out for having feelings for Diego. So, um, you know, I think that's when she pretty much decided the Swedes are going to have to take care of Diego. And, and, um, and, and yeah, it I don't know about Lila. Well, well, Lila's definitely. I definitely feel like Lila, you know, is is turnable, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, two things about that scene that stood out to me. One was that <clears throat> it, it further, I don't necessarily think it proves it, but it, it reinforces my theory that the handler is kind of like the anti-Hargreaves in some way. Mm. Um, yeah. And then I thought the screw you shit bags or whatever was lame. I didn't, that was the, I mean, that's one of the few missteps they've had in this show so far. I didn't what find, was that? When she got bingo and she stood up and she said, you know, I got, you know, whatever, bingo, you old shit bags or whatever. I just, oh, yeah. I, I don't understand. That made no sense to me. That, that made, made no, a lot of sense to me. That was them saying, look, here's this, you know, vicious time traveling assassin puppet master, but everybody gets a little excited if they hit a bingo i don't mean that i i was fine with her standing up and being excited about bingo i'm saying the old <laughs> shit bags thing i don't get why oh. like why would she be yeah she's no that doesn't villain. make any sense to just be she's, a, just, a, she's a horrible person i i understand that i mean like kicking the yeah. cat was a great way to establish yeah. that she's a horrible person yeah. that was just kind of a it was the verbiage she used that I thought was lame. If she was going to, you know, come with a lot stronger than old shit bags, if you're going to, like, yeah, yeah, I guess. a whole room full of elderly, you know, whatever. I don't know. I just, yeah. it just struck me as very weird that that was a, like a, you know, it was a, it was a little lackluster. There's probably a good percentage that 
a good percentage of people in there that were literally wearing shit bags. So very possible. You know, maybe that was. Yeah. But I've come to you know, the handler is the big bad. So yeah, she needs to be a right little now, badder. Right now, right now. Correct. I don't Correct. know. Yeah. Um, okay, so Klaus, um, Klaus and Ben are are still chilling at the cult, and uh, Dave shows up out of the blue. I was not expecting this, so that was that was kind of a cool, cool moment. So obviously, Klaus is now getting a second chance to to plead his case and and try to save this dude's life. I'm still digesting that scene. I really liked it. I really, you know, there was just a lot to it. A lot of subtle, but deep meaning things, you know, just the idea of when nothing else was quite working, you know, the idea of giving him the dog tags, even though that's the last physical thing you have to hold on to yourself. Um, The desire I thought it was played really well by Dave, by the actor playing Dave, that I thought, um, you know, he was obviously there on some level to be talked out of it. Um, right. So that the kind of the nervous, I'm here to listen to you, but every time you start to tell me what I really think I want to hear or should hear. Right. I'm going to reflect when I tell like you to shut going, up. Well, yeah. he, and he kept turning, like, physically his body. Like, he physically, because that's why I thought it, be, shooting it outside the way they did on that, you know, the, it gave him the ability to probably two or three times, he physically turned around and took two or three steps away and then turned back around and said, but, you know, and then went on with yeah. kind of what yeah. was confusing him and what was, you know, where he was coming from. But, uh, but yeah, and then when he drops the bomb of, you know, it gets down kind of the to the end of the conversation. And he's like, it's too late. You know, after the yeah. other day. Well, that's what I was going to say. That's the most significant part of that scene for me is that we find out that now, now he's already enlisted where he he before had enlisted after uh, after Kennedy was shot, but now Klaus has influenced the timeline. Right. So you know, if you're talking butterfly effect type stuff, who knows? You know what that what that means at that point. Number one, it could mean that he's ar- literally already saved his life by doing that. Because technically, you could make an argument that you know so many people were were being processed through at that time. A matter mm-hmm. of of even a few days difference could have had him end up in a different spot, a different uh, you know battlefield or whatever you know different uh, assignment. Oh, totally. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we'll see where they go with it. I mean, I'm sure it's, since it's Umbrella Academy, I would assume it's probably the other way around. It means that he's going to get killed even sooner in a, in a more horrible way. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, yeah, I like that. I mean, that's one of the nice things about playing with time travel and doing stories around that is just the idea of, you know, how much is you being able to intervene or, or intercede with, with the, the universe and then how much of it is, you know, in a way it's almost like, 
I don't know the movie butterfly effect, but I know that the actual scientific theory of it is far more of, you know, just one small occurrence happens differently and it just, you know, tidal waves and, and, uh, ripples out into all these other changes. Whereas, you know, I know that, I don't know the scientific description of this, but there's also that kind of final destination theory where there's some semblance of a, of an order that happens and, and shy of giant events. Right. Shy of giant events that change things that most of it will self-correct. So uh, interesting. So yeah. So it's uh, it's fun. I, the idea the to potentially play with some of that in this series because obviously you have a whole group of people directly messing with the you know the timeline and uh, yeah. You know how much is well, that? Well, that's the fir- that's the first like evidence that we've seen. I think to this point that you know for sure in at least some small way they've they've influenced it since they've been there but um yep. yeah it, it it's crazy so we see uh now uh, i love the scene with the handler and the swedes no oh, um, t- <laughs> taking the schwitz yeah. yeah yeah so she she kind of confronts them and and uh kind of continues to to direct them towards diego um, basically she wants Diego taken out just because he's a distraction for Lila, it sounds like. Um, but yeah, she ends up with a handful of Swedish meatballs. Well, th- oh my God. I mean, A, that's, I-, I loved it. I mean, that just adds to the legend of the handler. Um, yeah, she's such a badass. But yeah, the th- Basically, I mean, even her translated reasoning was that Diego had been playing hide the sausage with her daughter, and that was unacceptable. You got to respect a woman who can say hide the sausage in multiple languages. Exactly, and then grab a handful of sausage and put him in his place. And then what does he say? Release the wiener? What is he? What was the word he used? Yeah, something like that. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> like stop, stop, stop harming my wiener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stop harming my wiener. Oh, I love good those stuff. guys. I love them so much. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I'd love to think of the think maybe they're redeemable like uh, Hazel, but. Uh, yeah. The best we can hope for with them, I think they're more just the muscle end. So the best we can hope for is somehow they get flipped back towards the handler at some point once they realize they've been being manipulated. But yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that so, plays out. So the big the big moment of this episode, obviously the one that that we've been hoping for and that the episode is named after, is the light supper. So you know, through all their separate kind of paths they all end up you know literally in the elevator at the same time of course you know um they've all been receiving individual invitations to the to attend a supper they find their way there and end up you know on their way up in the elevator and luther rips one in the elevator which was you know a nice moment yeah Um, he's a little nervous poor luther he's just the clown now you know everything's everything's gotta be uh He's the comic relief this season for sure. 
so yeah, they finally get their sit down with with Sir Reginald, who is you know very skeptical, but it sounds like he's done all his homework. He's he's vetted them. He knows they're not FBI, CIA. He's he's confirmed all this stuff. So he he had no choice but to basically just just confront them. Well, even the initial like even how it's set up. I mean the first of all, I think that that Southland. I want to be, I want to say that that's a famous site in Dallas around the time of that you know whatever so I'll have to look up that building itself but but yeah they ride up in the elevator and obviously the Luther's super nervous and they're all you know they're they're it's so intense in the sense of like they all just facially you can tell they're all chopping at the bit to to get this done and let's deal with this yeah um, and. Like we've talked about so many times before, you know, it's so great when they're all together. So I love the fact that when they first get into the Tiki Lounge, you know, Klaus heads right for the bar. You know, the certain, you know, they're all having certain discussions and conversation. You know, obviously, uh, Diego's already talking about confronting him about the grassy knoll, and uh, Five yeah. wants to more, you know, approach him about actually, you know, helping out and you know maybe partnering up or whatever. So all of those like individual things are playing out and basically he just comes in with his notebooks and, you know, prepared, like you said, and sits down at the table and said, all right, let's, you know, Who are you I've, guys? I've, I've checked with the CIA. I've checked with the KGB. You're certainly not M MI five. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so who are you? And, uh, and then it's up to five to, to, to try to explain. Yeah. Yeah, and he wants evidence, so, you know, I mean, really, Allison was the only one who really demonstrated anything, I think, you know, power-wise. She was like, I heard a rumor you punched yourself in the face. Yep, yeah, five <laughs> jumped, uh, well, no, they all really did, because Diego threw the knife, uh, five jumped in oh, front of right. Diego to Oh, that's right, I forgot, Diego him. was the first one, oh, I forgot, that was the best one. First one to do it, Diego throws the knife, and then he... Like, he doesn't even flinch. Makes a, he makes a little note in his book. He's like, you know, that's, that's 0 for 2 or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah he, doesn't even, he, he doesn't even flinch. He makes a note, and then he finally kind of looks up and says, you're 0 for 2, or you've missed twice now, or whatever he says. Yeah, that was great. And then, uh, like you said, Allison flexed the muscle, and then, uh, you know, Luther was just didn't even know how to respond. And then... That was the part well, that just ripped my guts out. Well, before Ben, before the Ben part even happened, but when, uh, you know, Diego stood up and was going to be Team Zero, man. I mean, that's what that oh, speech yeah. was. He was absolutely going to put the old man in his place for the first time, and and nobody he, backed him up. <laughs> not only did nobody back him up, but immediately Sir Reginald, not even knowing these people, so you know, at this point just knew the exact right thing to say to dress him down. And, I mean, that lone tear falling. Oh, dude, the lone tear rolling down the cheek as he just shut his mouth and sat his ass back down in that chair. And his stutter came back. Did oh, my God, that? the whole thing. I mean, <laughs> I saw, however many years they've been together, you know, but I, you could see the 20-something years of pain and misery in that one moment. It was Ugh. fantastic. Yeah. Diego is a, a hidden, hidden gem in this one. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know they you got to kind of rely on Klaus to be the scenery chewer, but uh, but yeah, Diego yeah. man is just he's 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 torn my heart out a couple times. So anyway, so they they kind of explain things, but he's uh, I mean the, at least the way I interpret it, he's receptive to the idea that they're being honest, but he's like basically go help yourselves. I mean, he's just yeah. really not inclined to help at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He does seem like he believes him, but, you know, I think that's kind of, you know, maybe his his hubris in a way is that he's just like, look, if, if everything you're saying is true, you know, and I created a superhero team from you guys, then go fucking be a superhero team. Go save the world. Right. You know, why Why are you coming to, you know, this past version of me that doesn't know anything about any of this for help, you know, which he makes a pretty good point. Well, for sure. And obviously, like it, it leaves everybody else reeling. But when he calls, that was the, actually the part that I guess I was the most. I think I understand what I saw, but I'm not quite sure. Like, what did you take from the scene you know, so shortly there, shortly after that, where he's basically just like, yeah, if you're, if that's what you're going to, if you're supposed to save the world, go save the world. And then there's a little more back and forth, but then basically as it's breaking up, he basically says, points to number five and says, you know, can I see you for a second in the other room? And then everybody else kind of takes off. So in that little exchange, and you can see there's a little bit of respect there. I mean, he's says why don't we have a cognac or whatever and or um, yeah. you know they're sitting there drinking and i th- i mean what i took from it is basically and i don't know exactly what the dialogue was but it seemed to me as if there was some kind of acknowledgement from five that kind of exactly to your point that not only do i understand that you're telling us to go you know, save the world if that's what we're supposed to do. But almost like a sl- a, a, a dawning acknowledgement by five that, all right, well, I guess maybe you fucked with us the way you did because you were preparing us for exactly this moment. And for the first time, I'm beginning to see that. And, you know, maybe it's time to acknowledge that. Which to me makes the most sense of why that's the exact moment he makes the decision to kind of, you know, go and, and take the deal with the hand. Yeah. I think, I think up, up to, I think up to that point, he, he, he thought that since there was a Sir Reginald, you know, in that time, that that was who they needed to look to, you know, for guidance. And I think he realizes now that he's of the family. He's now the patriarch you know, basically in the sense that he's lived a lot longer and, you know, experienced a lot more and that it's kind of up to him to to do what has to be done to save the family. Right. I think you're right. And I think that in that scene, well, actually in that scene, he even references, I'm actually technically older than you are right now, which is probably a yeah. little almost a foreshadowing within the scene itself of what, what they're trying to say. But, but yeah, I think you make a good point because I think what, that also does is it's not only just five acknowledgement to himself that it's, you know, time to just do it, but that it's, 
there was that almost smirk or, you know, that just ever so slight smile by Sir Reginald. And I think there was, I think almost that was maybe the exclamation point at the end of like, not only have I now said, just go do what you're supposed to do, but maybe seeing the acknowledgement for the first time in five, I almost caught like a little mini smile. Like maybe that was Sir Reginald saying, good job, my boy. Now go get it done. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. You know, because even though, you know, everything might be just above board and, and it's not like a, you know, he, he the 1963 Sir Reginald may, may have no, you know, foreknowledge of any of this and everything he's saying, you know, might be totally true. But if now he's believing their story, if he truly believes that, you know, they're his adopted kids from the future and everything that they've told him, then, yes, somebody who is a, you know, a narcissist like that is going to take great pleasure in seeing those kids, you know, be competent, you know, and recognizing right. that five, that five is the one who has has it together the most out of all of them right now. And, right. you know, it is kind of maybe that smirk of self-satisfaction. Correct. Almost. That self-satisfaction is a good way to put it. And I think that there's an acknowledgement of right. If if now this information has come to Sir Reginald, I'm sure his at a minimum, his next step would be to do his due diligence, figure out what's accurate, what's not, how he plays in it, how he doesn't. And then, yeah, for the purposes of the story, obviously he could play a direct role in, 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 you know, potentially helping or, or maybe even not helping. But, uh, I thought, yeah, it, it was, uh, That was a nice scene between the two of them, five and Sir Reginald. So oh, it, and the, it, oh, it I know. Reminds what, me. Go ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry. I I, I was I couldn't remember exactly what I was, the point the other point I was trying to make. But I, I guess the what I really liked at its core is the idea that for whatever the motivations are, five. You know, through both seasons is obviously the one that's most concerned because he tends to have the most knowledge of the impending doom. So in that scene with Sir Reginald, the other part that I really liked was the idea of five really initially coming almost to him for the answer. Like come, I need to get to, to Sir Reginald because he's going to solve the problem. Yeah. And, Instead, what he did was he got to Sir Reginald and he got the guidance that was required for him to be motivated to go solve the problem himself. And that was... Uh, Which in this case means him going back and, you know, making the deal with the devil and, and you know, saying how many how many are on the board of directors and, right. you know, basically agreeing to, to take them down, which, you know, really... In the time that they've been there in season two, he might as well do that because they are no closer to have any clue as to what causes this new apocalypse or how to how to stop it. I mean, there's zero information about it. So, you know, I could see why five, you know, would decide, OK, hey, if this is on the table, you know, maybe the handler is a evil bitch, but if she... You know, if I feel like I can trust her, if, you know, her interests are served by making this deal, you know, it's probably the best shot for my family. 
Yes, I mean, the nice thing is, is that because Five has no loyalty to the commission, you know, he's just, he is, you know, it is all about his family and, and in what ways he can help save them. And obviously the only way to, to save them and then enjoy having had them be saved is to save the world as well. But yeah, I, I like that. You know, it's another nice juxtaposition with that character where, you know, five is so, you know, plugged into and, and so involved in all these different far reaching aspects of the story. But yet at the core, you know, he is the kind of maybe the most tunnel vision of all of them on, mm. on certain levels, you know, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, that's, they've, uh, what is Sir Reginald in the, uh, you in the, uh, he doesn't call him knickers. What does he call his, the socks? He's like, you in the whatever, oh, can, yeah. I, can I see you in the other room? <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't remember what he said. But, yeah, so. I love the dialogue that they write for Sir Reginald. He's just oh. such a, just a so pompous. Good. So uh, while, while that meeting between the two of them is going on, you know, obviously everybody's kind of reeling from the, probably instantly feeling like 12-year-olds again and feeling like shit from their father making them feel yes. crappy. So they all take off in their, in different directions, kind of in, uh, Diego runs into grace. She's yeah. sitting out in the car. And, uh, yeah. that was a very he interesting spill, scene. He spills the beans. Yeah. He spills the beans. And now, I mean, we now have a, you know, I'm assuming a grace that at this point in history is made out of flesh and blood and can make decisions and, you know, isn't uh, like she's just dating a dude named Reggie at this point. You know, she's not like as far as we know, she's not necessarily, you know, super, super deep where she wouldn't. I mean, her instinct was not to believe that, you know, Sir Reginald would be planning a presidential assassination. But like, I think there's enough there where she'll at least. You know, and even Diego said, he's he's like, don't take my word for it. Ask him. Ask him about it. So I'm looking forward to seeing that confrontation. Yeah, well, because I really, I'm anxious to see which way it goes. I, I Because I like that character so much, I hope they, I hope that it's not that he has kept it from her and been manipulative. I hope because in that one scene where it's so established there, kind of mutual work with Pogo that, you know, I see her more standing on a level with him, not, not under him. So, you know, I'd like to think that maybe the twist of it is going to be that she doesn't need necessarily to confront him because she's part of it as well. You know, yeah. and that that's going to be maybe, maybe because you know, I mean, she certainly reacted though. Like, like this was new information, but you know, maybe she's just really good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I, I certainly, they could go either way and, and they could certainly have a, a, a poignant resolution either way. But I, I, I guess maybe it's just the fact that they've done such a good job 
with strong female characters in this show so far that I, yeah. you know, if she's a, na- you know, a astrophysicist of some kind or, you know, maybe more. Yeah. You'd tied like to, to think the, he would have been able to do that under her nose without her knowing. She's obviously yeah. She's not a, you know, she's not a mob doll or something like that. She's a woman right. of science who happens to be, you know, attractive as well or whatever, but, uh, it's not a, uh, She's just, she's not eye candy, you know, arm candy, yes. whatever gross yes. expression you want to use, you know. So, but she is easy on the eyes. She's a she's a beautiful woman. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But the uh, um, so yeah, so Vanya uh, comes out of the party and Sissy has tracked her down, um, and you know, basically they make the decision to skip town together. Yeah, I I have a lot of misgivings about where they're going with all that. Well, she sure leaves her special needs kid unattended a lot. That's all I'm saying. I'm I'm trying not to judge you, sissy, but this is like the third time. Right. Well, you know, his dad's a piece of shit. You're going to leave him in charge. Carl can't be trusted, period. (laughs) But the bottom line is, is that. I mean, let's be realistic to how life works. There are certainly a lot of occasions throughout time, whether it's modern history, whether it's the 60s of Dallas or eons before, little side happenstances happen. And that's the difference between that and I'm going to drop my whole life to to follow the this fling is a different thing and i don't know i i they were really straddling the line of preachy and i was i was almost like their attraction to each other i it felt real it felt organic um the stolen moment absolutely but then once the Carl came home and was excited about the sale and stuff and did a little ass slapping and stuff, like, I'm just not a, I don't believe in running away, whether it's 1963 Dallas and we haven't advanced very much socially or not, or whether it's now. Like, you, you, maybe you can't always dictate what, who your heart falls in love with. But once it has, then you need to grow up, be a woman, not a little girl, and get a fucking divorce or do something about it before you move. You know, I don't I don't I don't buy the romantic notion of love is just so strong. I'm going to drop everything and leave it for that. I think you have certain responsibilities, especially if you have a marriage, a child. Again, it might be loveless. Again, it might be, I don't know, to be honest with you, I didn't get the impression that their marriage was loveless. I got it more the impression that just because we're supposed to have a lesson about what life was like for women in the 1960s. Well, she said it was loveless. So, I mean, I would take her word for it. When, When did she say it was loveless? 
like when they were laying in bed she's like i'm in a loveless marriage i think she literally used those words oh i missed that well and again i it still doesn't absolve her from the responsibility of divorcing first before you leave town with somebody else and you're going to take his kid and you know, I don't know. Well, I just... There's a week till the apocalypse, you know. I mean, there's really not, not a lot of time to litigate. I'm sure they've thought about this, so I, I have confidence that they'll handle it well. I just don't want them to accidentally cheapen it in any way because I think that everything that's even remotely controversial has been handled with such thought and with such care. And I don't mean like in a walk on eggshells sort of way, but in a we really care what, you know, this is, we want people to understand the, the motivations and the depth of these characters. So, you know, I, I think they've done a great job with that. And I just don't want, I'm super happy. I'm, 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 they're doing a great job. They are. They are. So, uh, episode ends with, with Luther and Diego finding Elliot's, uh, dead body the swedes came in took care of elliot um you know we don't really know how much information they got out of him um sounds like you know hopefully not that much and that's why he's dead but uh you know they kind of cut away so that we don't know you know how much of that interrogation was successful but they were looking for diego yeah they uh and then in in his blood on the floor it says like Oga for Oga or something like that, which I yeah, assume is like yeah. eye for an eye or, you know. That's what I assume, probably eye for an eye. Okay. Um, so, and that's the title of the next episode. So Okay, awesome. That, that's basically leads it right up to that. So uh, we will jump into that next time. It's getting good, man. It's oh, it's so good. Up. So good. I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't wait for the next one. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure you uh, check out our other podcast, the Back Issues Podcast, where we talk about the greatest comic book stories ever told. And come back next time to Sir Reginald's Monocle. See you next time, Shavy D. Peace.